2 Chronicles chapter 6. We're in the middle of the dedication service for the temple. The temple's been finished. In the last chapter, they started a dedication service and they were singing Psalm 136 verse 1. And now we're about to get into Solomon's prayers and I guess you could say his sermon. <laughs> they didn't have sermons back then, but you know, the equivalent. Then Solomon said, Yahweh has said he would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built you a house and a home, a place for you to dwell in forever. The king turned his face and blessed all the assembly of Israel, and all the assembly of Israel stood. He said, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to David my father, and has with his hands fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel to build a house in, that my name might be there, and I chose no man to be prince over my people Israel. But now I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name might be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of Yahweh, the God of Israel. But Yahweh said to David my father, Whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son, who will come out of your body, he shall build the house for my name. Yahweh has performed his word that he spoke, for I have risen up in the place of David my father, and sit on the throne of Israel, as Yahweh promised, and have built the house for the name of Yahweh, the God of Israel. There I have set the ark, in which is Yahweh's covenant, which he made with the children of Israel. He stood before Yahweh's altar in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had set it in the middle of the court, and he stood on it and knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Yahweh the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, you who keep covenant and loving kindness with your servants, who walked before you with all their heart, and who kept with your servant David my father that which you promised him. Yes, you spoke with your mouth and have fulfilled it with your hand as it is today. Now therefore, Yahweh the God of Israel, keep with your servant David my father that which you promised him, saying, There shall not fail you a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel, if only your children take heed to their way, to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now therefore, Yahweh, the God of Israel, let your word be verified which you spoke to your servant David. But will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens can't contain you, how much less this house which I have built. Yet have respect for the prayer of your servant and to his supplication. Yahweh my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open toward this house day and night, even toward the place where you have said that you would put your name, to listen to the prayer which your servant will pray toward this place. Listen to the petitions of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Yes, hear from your dwelling place, even from heaven, and when you hear, forgive. If a man sins against his neighbour, and an oath is laid on him to cause him to swear, and he comes and swears before your altar in this house, then hear from heaven, act, and judge your servants, bringing retribution to the wicked, to bring his way on his own head, 
and justifying the righteous, to give him according to his righteousness. If your people Israel are struck down before the enemy because they have sinned against you, and they turn again and confess your name, and pray and make supplication before you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel, and bring them again to the land which you gave to them and to their fathers. When the sky is shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin, when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants of your people Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land which you have given to your people for an inheritance. If there is a famine in the land, if there is a pestilence, or if there is blight or mildew, locust or caterpillar, if their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer and supplication is made by any man or by all your people Israel, who will each know his own plague and his own sorrow and shall spread out his hand towards this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to every man according to all his ways whose heart you know, for you, even you only, know the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear you to walk in your ways so long as they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. Moreover, concerning the foreigner who is not of your people Israel, when he comes from a far, con far country for your great name's sake, and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray towards this house, then hear from heaven, even from your dwelling place, and do according to all that the foreigner calls to you, for that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house which I have built is called by your name. If your people go out to battle against their enemies, by whatever way you send them, and they pray to you toward this city, which you have chosen, and the house which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. If they sin against you, for there is no man who doesn't sin, and you are angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captive to a land far off or near, yet if they come to their senses in the land where they are carried captive and turn again, and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done perversely, and have dealt wickedly. If they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, where they have carried them captive, and pray toward their land which you gave to their fathers, and the city which you have chosen, and toward the house which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven, even from your dwelling place, their prayer and their petitions and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, my God, let, I beg you, your eyes be opened and let your ears be attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, Yahweh God, into your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests, Yahweh God, be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in goodness. Yahweh God, don't Turn away the face of your anointed. Remember your loving kindness to David, your servant. Way back in the book of Deuteronomy, um, the whole book of Deuteronomy was, was pretty much a big speech by Moses. And um, it was kind of a going over the laws, but it was kind of, you know, it was like a re-explaining of the law, but 
there was comment and, and extra things added in that weren't there before. All the way through that book of Deuteronomy, it kept referring to the place that I will choose. And um, so, for example, you know, like Moses would say to the Israelites, you know, the Lord is bringing you into a land, a land of milk and honey. <laughs> and, you know, you are to go up to the place that God will choose. And there you are to offer sacrifices. And so all this stuff was describing a place, but the place wasn't known yet. It was a variable. So they didn't know it was going to be Jerusalem, so they just called it the place that I will choose. Well, now in Solomon, so we're in the dedication service, and Solomon is speaking and praying, and he's praying about the place that you, Lord, have chosen. So this is it, Jerusalem, and specifically the temple, the place that the Lord has chosen. Now, um, uh, in the New Testament, in John chapter 4, Jesus goes to... Um, yeah, Jesus, he, he lived in Gal he lived in the area of Galilee, in the area of Samaria. He didn't live in Jerusalem. And um, that's one of the reasons why they didn't recognize him as Messiah, because they thought the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem, from the land of Judah. They didn't know Jesus did. He was born there. His family heritage was from there, but he didn't live there. He went back up the north. But Jesus is up in the north, and a lot of his ministry, most of it was to people, Samaritans. To They're, they're from the other tribes of Israel, kind of, um, but they, they're, um, those other tribes, you know, what happened was they were taken away to exile, but then some of them came back, but other people came from other places, and there was a lot of intermarrying, and so those other tribes are kind of Israelites, kind of not Israelites, they're Samaritans, but the people in Jerusalem didn't like them at all. But that's where Jesus spent most of his ministry. And in John chapter 4, he goes to a town of Samaria, and he meets this woman and he's talking with her, and she says this interesting comment. She says, "You Jews say that you must worship Jesus in, you know, you must worship God in Jerusalem, but we worship on this mountain." And she points to a mountain that's not far away called Mount Gerizim. Now, if those Samaritans, they didn't have the whole Bible; they only had the first five books: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And that's what we call today the Samaritan Pentateuch. You can find copies of the Samaritan Pentateuch today. It's an interesting study of its own because it's been um, copied and handed down too um, and it's very almost identical to the normal Pentateuch but it has its own, a few little variations of things that they've changed. But in the book of Deuteronomy, it keeps referring to this place that, I, that you will choose because they don't, didn't know that it was Jerusalem, they came to the conclusion that the place was Mount Gerizim. Here in 2 Chronicles 6, Solomon's praying and he says, Lord, this is the place that you have chosen. So God did choose the temple for this purpose, but those Samaritans of the, the northern tribes, because the, the nation split into two before the temple was built, they never had the place. And so that place ended up becoming Mount Gerizim. So all of that's very, very interesting. But Jesus says to the woman at the well, he says, a day is coming when you will worth, worship the Lord neither at this place nor in Jerusalem at the temple. But the Lord is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So Jesus was saying to her, in reality, the place isn't a physical place. You know, there's a place you come to by faith and prayer. It's a spiritual place, and that's the most real place. 
It's not less real. It's not like the physical temple or that Mount Gerizim are real places, but now, oh, we don't have a place. We've just, you know, we just come figuratively to some place. No, the, that so-called figurative place is the real place. And that mountain, Mount Gerizim and Jerusalem, you know, Mount Moriah, those two mountains were physical mountains, physical places, but they were both only symbols of a real place that we would come to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. So when you go through the book of Deuteronomy and talks about the place where you will come to worship the Lord, it's in your heart. You come together with the people of God, which is the temple. You come before the Lord by faith and you're in the presence of God. It's not a case of feel like you're in the presence of God. No, you are. You are in the presence of God. Spiritual things are very different to physical things. And you're coming to something that's far more real than you realize. It's just you're living in a broken physical body. You know, Adam and Eve, when they were made, they were made like, they were made properly. They were, and gee, God said to them, in the day that you sin, you will die. And the day they sinned, something changed. They realized they were naked for starters, but they were ashamed. Their communication with God was broken. It's almost like the whole spiritual part of them was just destroyed, leaving the physical only. And so we, when we are born again, we sense, we sense something. Oh, you know, we, we, we know something's changed. That's the birthing of the spiritual part in us again. Well, these spiritual things are real, but we're not accustomed to them. And so when you come into the presence of God by faith, you're coming to the place. You're coming to the Lord. You're coming to the Lord of all. And you're in a real place. And um, all of these things that we're reading, like about the place that God had chosen in Jerusalem, these are just teaching us that there's, a, there's a, another place, a real place that you and I should be going to. Christ is, of course, the ultimate fulfillment of it all. Now, interestingly... It says in here that Solomon made a platform. <laughs> it said it was uh, five cubits wide, five cubits long, and three cubits high. So that's around about two and a half meters long, two and a half meters deep, and about 75 centimeters high. It's not a very big platform, but it's big enough for, for one person to stand on or to lay down on. Um, so I think, I'm pretty sure, this is the first platform in the Bible. It's the first stage. <laughs> As far as I'm aware, later on Ezra the scribe um, builds a stage as well, and he's you know basically the first pulpit in the book of Ezra. We'll get to that, but here we've got the first stage, <laughs> so that's interesting. And um, in the New Testament, uh, we're told that we are the house of God, and um, Jesus said that when we love one another, then the world will know that we are His disciples. So there's something that's supposed to happen as far as God's house is concerned. When it's functioning the proper way, it's supposed to give recognition to God. In, the New, in this Old Testament passage here, Solomon in his prayer, he said, if any foreigner comes toward this house and prays, Lord, hear their prayer so that they might know that you're God. So in the Old Covenant, there was an allowance for a way that foreigners could see God's house, the temple, and by by considering it, they could come to see that God was real by praying there. In the New Testament, we have the same thing, but with much more power. It's the body of Christ. It's the people of God. And Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. The problem is that we've got a body of Christ that's a little bit dysfunctional. <laughs> the temple is still kind of becoming the temple. It's the temple, all right. But it's, 
it's, it's yet got to be kind of completely working properly. And that's a worthy goal. And when the temple is fully functional, when the body of Christ loves one another, now that will be a grand, grand building and people will know that he is the Lord. Father, we thank you for Solomon's prayer. We thank you for this dedication service. We thank you for the place that you've chosen for your name, which is the body of Christ. And I pray that the Lord would be recognized in the earth and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.